Do you ever wonder why some podcasts are so successful? Do you wish that you could replicate the success of some of the top podcasts? So do we. And we believe there is no harm in asking. So we're questioning everything about how podcasts are produced, hosted, and monetized. This is No Harm in Asking. I'm Eric Byron. And I'm Michael Kerr. Always excited to share my thoughts. We review podcasts and look for clues to why some make it big. And some don't make it at all. This week, we'll be reviewing This American Life with Ira Glass. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration. Recording on one of those old machines in one of the rooms where Edison worked. It made Edison feel very, very near. Well, from WBEC Chicago, it's This American Life. I'm Ira Glass. Today on our program, we have people who go looking for the ghost in the machine. All right, Michael, we got one of the top podcasts here. This is number four on Edison Research list of the top 50. Number four, This American Life with Ira Glass. Tell me about your impressions of this one. I think my first impression was, what am I listening to? I mean, it was fascinating, I think, from a from sort of an intellectual point of view, as you tried to figure out what they were trying to teach me as I listened to these distinct, unique stories that were that were pieced together to try and tell a larger, cohesive story. Yeah. I kind of felt that it wasn't my thing. Like I'm going, I don't think I'd listen to this every week, but yet I was fascinated and intrigued by the process and the effort. Well, and- I thought it was interesting that the first episodes you listened to, uh, well, one of them was about fat. Right. Yeah. And you are one of the skinniest, well, naturally skinny people I know. I don't think you've ever not, had a weight not, problem. That's not true, but. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it seemed like an odd pick. You went back in yeah, like I a would, year ago or something and just picked this random episode was the very first one you listened to. And then you went to another one that's not in the most current list right? called The Ghost in the Machine. So I picked ones that included Ira Glass as a significant component of the podcast. So Ira Glass has a huge staff, and it's quite often that you will find that he's not doing – He does the prologue. Yeah, so there's a prologue. Typically, there's a prologue, and then there's maybe two, three, four, five acts afterwards – and it's different Different people do them. And so you sometimes you don't get Ira involved. So okay. for the purpose of this, I wanted to make sure that Ira played a significant role. I wanted to understand how he played yeah, yeah. in these. I wanted to hear his voice. I wanted to understand his personality. Um, I wanted to see why this was so successful. Because clearly this is, this is the Ira Glass show. He is the whole thing, right? He's the director, the senior producer. The host, the administrator, the librarian, the researcher. It's his baby, this show. Absolutely. And and he started this all the way back in 1995. So he spent, I'll talk a little bit about Iris Glass here, the, the background, 17 years at NPR. So, you know, significant experience. He started from a very young age. Yeah, I, I heard yeah. once he started at 17, you know, volunteering at 17. Yeah. It was quite so interesting. he's journalism from... Right. Very young age. This is what he wanted to do. He's done it all his life. 
And he did NPR, right, for 17 years, worked for them, then went off on his own, uh, apparently in Chicago initially, had a show called The Wild Room with a co-host. But the concept, the basic format of that show is what inspired This American Life. Interestingly, so my first impression of the show, quite in contrast to yours, I went and looked at one of the more recent ones, and the very first one I listened to was the one on the victims from the uh, Buffalo Buffalo. Massacre, right? The the 10 people who were shot in a racially motivated thing, and I found it powerful. Yes. I was... I mean, I was touched by this show and the effort that they went into to talk about the victims and tell their stories and make these real people, people with happy lives and families that loved them and people who cared about them and and some of the things they had contributed to their community and and you know these were just they were real people and and the way they told this I also thought was great because they didn't talk about the shooter they didn't talk about the day of the shooting right. and you know it wasn't a newsy kind of documentary <clears throat> of was the each events. person was each person in their own act yes right so they had a right a separate act um there was different some of them were freelance journalists but there were there were different people who kind of conducted each set of yeah. interviews and you know it it was heartwarming it was a um it was a really really touching story told about these people who had been victims i know they were yeah. connected by this event right yep did you find that the stories that they, they each told were did did they try and connect them no i think each one was kind of an individual telling of this person and it was designed to say we remember these people and the impact that their life and their death had on their family and and friends. Right. I think so there I think there are clearly some episodes in This American Life where they do exactly that. They tell different stories and piece yeah. them together. But I think if you listen to enough, you you what you see is as a common theme is where they tell certainly in the Ghost in the Machine yeah. podcast that what they were trying to do so they took four very different stories Mm-hmm. And I'll explain them because I think it's kind of interesting because they're so different. So, in well, don't get into too much detail. But um, well, I, I'm going to. Yeah, I, yeah. I can I can do it quick. But I, okay. I think what the point the point I'm trying to make is the first one, which was about a girl whose father had died when uh, she was very young. She didn't actually know him. He committed suicide, and she'd found a recording of his voice much later. And the point that she was trying to make was that the voice or voice was more powerful, a more powerful medium than photographs. She was. You know, she'd had photographs of this man, but the fact that she went, once she found a recording of his voice, that completely changed it for her. They they took that story and they moved it into a story about a woman who'd lost her sister to cancer and was using uh, GPT-3 to reenact, essentially, stories where she kept inputting into the AI information over and over. Then this one fled into or turned into a father-daughter story about... Um, the fact this woman had gotten cancer and that she was being cured by an MRI machine who her father that her father had been a part of inventing. And then at the end, they tied it all up in this kind of bow, but not really, right? It's kind of a goofy it's weird element. thing yes. where they found this elderly gentleman who had who was asking his kids where they slept every you know day and piecing it together and turning it into this thing called the 
um, the family average location. And so this was the podcast, right? Four really different stories. And it was up to the listener to kind of go through, follow along, right. and then try and connect the dots. And yeah, the ghost in the machine. The ghost in the machine. All of them had this ghost per se. Right, really. So there were there were dead people. Yes. In in every one of them, there was an association to somebody right. who was no longer with us, but through technology, but through technology, we had some some connection. That's right. Connection to them, and uh, so, so I thought that was quite fascinating. Yeah, yeah. and this is this is classic Ira right. Glass. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about the the naming of the show. So when he first launched it in 1995, it was called. Your Radio Playhouse, that only lasted like six months, and then they rebranded it to uh, This American Life. So I'm an American, and I looked at it, and I went, This American Life, what does that mean? Because to me, right, my version of an American Life is extremely different from many, many of these stories that he's telling. Right, I grew up in a rural Western Mass, small town Son of a funeral director. I mean, I have right. a unique American life These stories story. are not your life. Right. But the stories he was telling in this, you know, group up in Buffalo, very different life than I grew up with, even though regionally, you know, Northeast, we're not that far. But I thought it was an interesting way to title it. First of all, of course, it directly makes this kind of an American show, an American audience. So he kind of constrained to some degree. You get them Canadians who like you, right? Sure. Relate to But we never got it. So if this was on NPR, and I know that we've talked before that this is not an NPR show per se. Right. But I believe it is broadcast on many public radio stations across America. In Canada, we you would have had to work a little bit to find you'd have to pick up American NPR radio. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, so he went after a kind of specific subset of the population and market. Now, they've still, there's 300 million Americans, and it looks like they're getting two, three million a week yeah. are listening to their show either on the radio. It is still on the radio, uh, syndicated through uh, multiple, multiple different radio stations. Um, but, of course, it's also on the podcast and on his website. Uh, another interesting thing I thought about this one in terms of the way it's distributed. So you don't think this is typical of American life? It's I don't a think unique they're- or a distinct sub portion of the population that they're going after. It's the uh, is it the more intellectual? What do you? No, I, I don't think there is a typical American okay, life. I see. No, right? that's it's true. so diverse right. that so many different stories. I guess that gives him almost unlimited content. But to say this American life. Right. That was what kind of hit me was, how do you define this in that? What, what does that mean? There's there's so many different. Yes. I'm surprised that yeah. they didn't call it an American life or the American life. It's interesting that they chose the word yeah. this American life, which I didn't really understand. Exactly. Um, right. Yeah. My point there. So anyway, I don't want to belabor it too too far, but names are important. You know, in this particular case, the name works. The brand clearly resonates with many, many People, 
But I also want to talk about the effort here. So, yes, he's a great storyteller. He does this unique thing of being able to piece together these various elements, which all of his shows are structured. There's a prologue, which he always does the prologue, kind of introduces this this theme and, and the stories. Uh, quite often, there's a brief story in the prologue itself. Then he goes into the acts, and there's multiple acts in each episode. Right. That are typically distinct. That are distinct right. stories. Standalone. They're often done right. by different people. Yeah. Um, so it's not, even if Ira is involved in the prologue, and he may be involved in the last one, but again, not always. Yeah. Um, so it is quite interesting the way they're able to piece it together from different completely different people, right? Yeah, yeah. Who, who do the interview. And sometimes it's just in the fat that I listen to, they interviewed the woman who was kind of a journalist in the prologue. And then she did the next one herself all, you know, all alone. It was basically her story. Yeah. Telling, talking about herself. Yeah. So that was right. know, unique And I think as well. she's actually on the staff. She is one of his oh, team. Yeah. Oh, the third one is. Not the this third one. one. The, the, oh, okay. This one is a journalist on her own. Oh, okay. So, yeah, but he pulls all, all these things together, but he lists at the end, and we love this, we always talk about this, give credit to your team, and he reads out the whole list at the end of every episode. Our program is produced today by Lily Sullivan. The people who put together today's show include Elna Baker, Dana Chivas, Sean Cole, Michael Kamite, Aviva de Kornfeld, Damian Grave, Hannah Jaffe Wald, Kyla Jones, Seth Lynn, Tobin Lowe, Lena Masizzi, Stone Nelson, Catherine Raimondo, Elise Spiegel, Alyssa Ship, Christopher Sutala, Matt Tierney, Chloe Weiner, and Diane Wu. Our managing editor is Sarah Abdurrahman. Our senior editor is David Kestenbaum. Our executive editor is Emmanuel Berry. So Elma Baker, she's a comedian writer. Uh, that's the one who lost yes, a bunch of weight. She was involved in that show you listened to. And I apologize to Bim, because I'm going to put you your last name, Bim Adawunmi, something like that. He's a producer and a writer himself. He's been with the show for about three and a half years. Chris Benderev, producer, a fairly short amount of time on This American Life, but 12 years with NPR, you know, experienced guy. Zoe Chase on seven years on this show, four years with NPR. And then Sean Cole is a producer, eight years on this show and 20 years radio experience prior to coming on. So, and that's just say five of the 22 he lists in the credits. So he's got a, a serious team they put together. Hey, Mike. I want to take a quick moment to thank our friends from the Discovery Shark Week. I'm a big fan of Shark Week, and the folks at Discovery have some really cool collectibles and toys and exclusive deals for Shark Week. They have offered our listeners a discount on Shark Week merchandise on Amazon. We've got a link and a discount code in the show notes. This offer is only good until September 6th, so don't miss out. These episodes, although it's a weekly show, are not put together one week at a time. No. These are produced over months, and they do clearly many, many interviews. And in fact, I noticed a comment in the Wikipedia, again, that said that 80% of the interviews they do don't make it onto the show because they don't have the right feel to them. Mm -hmm. There's a very particular sound and, and storytelling approach, personality 
style that they're after. And so, so they go to great lengths and interview many, many people and listen to stories. And I think what happens here is I think they're just going out. They've got a whole team and, and a bunch of freelancers that they use saying, go find us interesting stories. They go out, they come back with some content, and then they piece this all together and go, oh, wait, here's four interesting ones we could put together into an episode. And then they they go off and they do that. And then as we've seen with you know S-Town last week and, and some of the other really top ones that we've reviewed here, the production quality with the music and you know overlaid voices, voices you know kind of fading into the background and somebody else is talking and then it picks up again. Can you just explain how you calculate it? Just tell me your system. Yes, I'll tell you exactly what, what okay. how I do it. Okay, yeah. is uh, this is Boris. He's 69 years old. Was an options trader in Chicago. He's retired now, obviously. So, for instance, for for instance. You know, this is very, very carefully recorded and edited uh, to get the, the the timing of these. Yeah, we were talking and, about this earlier. Content. I mean, I, we yeah. think that this is now, you know, almost the de facto standard in how you tell stories in a podcast, and you can see it in S Town with what Brian Reed had done. It's a, it's exactly the same. The way that they use the music and the way that they break away, tell you who this person is they refer to somebody they'll jump yep. in and they'll say well that's their you know that's their father's brother or something right and then they continue on telling this story so you know yeah i think anybody who's doing storytelling in podcasts you know yeah. just has to listen to a couple of these yeah to basically say this is how you do it again the, the website it. is really good um they've got the full transcripts there so they have on the regular web page you can see the breakdown a kind of a summary outline form that shows what's the topic of the prologue, act one, act two, act three, act four, however right. many and you don't get are. that as well in if you because you listen to Apple Podcasts and you didn't initially see, did you? That you well, Apple Podcasts. So yeah, so this is very interesting. Not only does Apple Podcast only have like the most recent 10 episodes, so they got 777, almost 780 episodes at this point, but there's only like 10 that are on Apple Podcasts that are free and available to you. But you also there's like a one line description. That's it. Hmm. You, you you don't have any of this what about information. The acts? Did they break? No, nope. you don't. You don't, no, you don't get, nothing. You, you don't there's, get that. Right? You don't get any of that. There's a one line description. Yeah, so it's That's much it. more enjoyable. I feel yeah. to because to, you you can piece it together much better. I think you know what you're getting. Yeah. on the website. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was quite interesting in the way that they distribute it that way in a limited fashion. But I realize it's also part of the monetization strategy. Yeah, and that. You can go purchase on iTunes previous episodes for like a dollar or whatever. You can listen to any of them you want, um, but they make you pay for them. They're not freely available. Now, on the website, apparently you can scroll down. I don't know how far back you can go, but you can listen. There's a lot of episodes yeah. available on the on the website. But I got the impression that if you want to go back far enough, you would have to pay for those as well, even through the website, I think. They also do use advertising. So when you listen on Apple, not only do you get a ad at the very, very beginning, the very first thing you hear is an advertisement, but then you also get generally, and it gets three 30-second advertisements that run in the middle. 
Yeah, you don't so, get that on the website. You yeah. get a little, maybe right at the beginning, you get a little bit of, uh, this is brought to you by whoever the, the sponsor is. Square. Um, square space. Square space, yeah. And then that, yeah. and then it kicks in and you get right. no advertisements, uh, I believe, for yeah. all of the other ones. Yeah, I, I, I think the website is, is quite good and they'll break it out as well into recommended and archive. And it's much, I know you commented that S-Town was very hard to navigate, the S-Town website. You couldn't navigate on the website if you wanted to move yeah. the scroll bar back and forth. Um, but oh, in terms it, of the play, in yes, the audio the play, controls, right? On yes. This American Life, it's it's pretty well done. Although you yeah. couldn't do your 1.5 speed. Yes, you couldn't so change the playback speed uh, on the website. So that would be feedback, uh, Ira. If you're listening, that is a feature many of us like. I almost never listen to anything at normal speed anymore. So depending on how fast people talk. One point. Maybe Ira knows that his voice won't come across uh, as uh, annoidal (laughs) (laughs) with a slight stutter at 1.5. Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's people who would rather you listen. Well, particularly when you're doing, you know, all the music and you're taking all this time to do all the fancy editing. They don't want to know that we tend to listen at 1.5. But again, and in all fairness to the artistic side of this thing, I always, when we're reviewing one, I will listen to one full episode from the very beginning to the very end at normal speed in order to take in all of that and enjoy it. But then, again, in this case, I think I listened to five episodes of this plus all the other outside research. So, yes, three or four of these episodes I listened to, I listened to at 1.5 so I could get through them and, you know, I'm studying, analyzing the structures and stuff. So. Anyway, so I we're feel, not your average I listener. I, should, I feel I should like these better. It was fascinating to listen to, but I, it did leave me with, what is this? And would yeah. I go back? Would I listen every week? I'm not sure I would. I enjoy Stephen Dubner more on Freakonomics. Okay. Uh, I enjoy Malcolm Gladwell more than this. You're a total fan Yeah, boy. I know. But, that, yeah. but I'm saying – but <laughs> and even though I'm, I, I really appreciate what they're doing, I, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. You made a comment earlier as we were talking about Ira Glass's voice not being the perfect radio voice. Yes, I did say that. When I listened to it, I said, it, yeah, there's this sensitive element, but it didn't. It wasn't this perfect radio voice. And you're, right. I know you're going to challenge me. I, I what, what is the perfect radio? What is the perfect radio voice, Michael? Is it you? Is it me? Somebody else we've been listening to, how can you say somebody doesn't have the perfect radio voice? Well, the perfect radio voice is Vin Scully. And <laughs> or any of the or any of the baseball announcers that you grew up listening to. And so here, here's a quote from Ira Glass himself. All right. Okay. He said, I don't have a good radio voice, but this thing happens now. People say, You have such a nice radio voice. And I say, that's the force of repetition. Okay. So you still don't give him credit, though, for having a good radio voice after 780 episodes and all those years on NPR. You still don't think he has. So he comes across as what he needs to come across. He asks great questions in a sensitive voice. He understands how to respond properly when somebody talks yeah. talks back. And that's, the, that's what he's learned. That's the brilliance. Does he have that perfect radio voice? I don't think he does. Yeah. But it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Here's what I will say of that whole topic for our listeners, right? Because the whole point of our podcast is to figure out 
What can we take from these things? What can we learn from these podcasts? So yes, practice your voice. You may not have, like us, we don't have a perfect voice for this, but with practice and by listening, right? I, I listen, I do our sound editing, right? So I listen constantly to our voices and try to get better and improve on how I speak and I come across clearly and this, the voice ticks thing. We still do it. I yeah. will still have to edit out a bunch of ums and you knows. And I tend to say right a lot. <laughs> These are natural voice ticks, but anyway. We do not have the perfect voice. If you're out there doing this, don't be overly sensitive or shy about your voice. The more you do this, the better at it you get. It just happens over time. Even as Ira Grath says, uh, repetition, uh, practice really, really helps. The more, you're right. The it more is you quite amazing. This. I, you know, obviously I listen to yeah. the recordings now that we do, and I, I never thought I had much of a voice for radio. Yeah. Well, you can thank, but, thank me. I fix a lot. Well, of it thank for you. you. I, I appreciate all the work that you do. You know, I, you know, I do. You know, when I listen to what we produce, I often go, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah we sound, we sound pretty good. Uh, it's all right. Yep. All right. Enough praising ourselves. The other thing I want to point out, though, for other podcasters is that the study for me, the thing that's really interesting and that I want to take to heart, even for us, right? So we tend to do, well, we're not tend to do, we do a weekly podcast. And it's pretty much planned a week ahead. You know, we do all the research and get it together in about a week. Okay. If you're going to do what these guys do and be effective, this takes much, much more effort, right? These guys plan these things out for weeks or months in advance and they have 20 something sure. people on the team and they yeah, have unlimited a budget. budget. You know, I found that one note that even in the first year, they had a budget of $243,000 to launch the show and a full-time staff of four, right? Most of us do not have that luxury, but we can still be more intentional, more thoughtful about how we tell our stories. How do we really pull this together? How do we take the time to lay it out we have a thing we're using now, right? We call the rundown mm -hmm. that helps us kind of organize our thoughts before we start to record, you know, and that's important. It's still, we're doing this pretty much on the fly one week at a time. And so, so maybe one of these days we will get to that point where we can start really planning out some episodes months in advance, um, really prepare things, do a bunch of content research and interviews and, and and do that. And I think that's how you you get up in that top fifty yeah. you know podcast thing is you just gotta put in the effort and the time to get there. You're gonna do a shout out? Oh yes, yes. Oh thank you for reminding me of that. It just a wanted to point out, Michael, that we had a an interaction last night. One of our our listeners contacted me to let me know that he's been listening to our podcast and one of the things we you know highlighted a few times is musical transitions between sections and he picked up on this and just wanted to let me know you know shout out saying you know thank you Eric I took this advice I implemented it in my podcast and I love the result so this is why we do this, I, right? I'm thrilled you know, to we, death. We, we so uh, just love to hit those made notes. Made my day. So I encourage anybody else out there that's listening, if if you've got something like that too, this just makes our day when we we get a comment like that from somebody that says our what we're doing helped them improve their podcast. So thank you for that note. I guess that's a wrap of our 
episode here today. Yeah. So thank you to Ira Glass and This American Life, uh, truly a great podcast. And we hope that all of you take away some, some great findings from both our observations and hopefully your own. Go listen to these guys. They are top of class. You want to try and reproduce as much of this as you can in your own podcasts. All right. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration. Collaboration.